Hi, this is Matthias Jabs from the Scorpions, and you are listening to Appetite for Distortion. And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion. My name's Brando, episode 100. And 69. Coming up later on in the program, we're going to be joined by our journalist friend, Matt Wake, who writes for AL.com. Of course, you've also seen his work in Rolling Stone magazine and Billboard. He's going to be talking to us about his brand new interview with Miles Kennedy, and he will be joining us to dissect the most recent comments by Slash concerning not knowing what to do with new Guns N' Roses material. I'm going to wait to comment on that until Matt gets here. But first, uh, this is just another amazing guest that we're getting here on the program, all connected with our Six Degrees of GNR Bacon, Matthias Yobbs, guitarist from the Scorpions. And the Scorpions, if you haven't heard yet, have announced they are going to Las Vegas. Yes, uh, another rock and roll band doing a Las Vegas residency, which I think is just a really cool thing that uh, is in vogue now, so Sin City Nights going to kick off uh, July 4th at Zappos Theater at Planet Hollywood Resort and Casino in Vegas and going to be joined by Queensryche. Welcome to the show, Mateus. It's an honor to speak with you today. Hi, Brandon. I'm, I'm just wondering, you know, you know, of course, you're from Germany. The Scorpions are a German band. Does Las Vegas hold the same kind of weight, same cachet as it does to to you, just like it does here in America? I would say so. Yes, yeah. It's. Uh, I think it has changed slightly um, to a more um, <clears throat> like a you know like a commercial, fashionable, fairground uh, place. It used to be that that just casinos in the middle of the desert kind of image with lots of nightclubs. And meanwhile, I think it has grown up a bit to something more. I could call it civilized. That's the image over here, at least. What makes it special to you? There are a lot of rock bands now going to Vegas and doing a residency. So what is it, aside from the obvious, about Vegas for you? I think, um, you know, what's interesting for all the artists is that you can stay in one place and the fans are coming to you. And you don't have to travel because the traveling is that part of uh, <clears throat> being in a, in a band, rock band, um, that nobody really likes, you know, no matter how comfortable you're, you're traveling. Uh, the shows and, you know, to play for the people, that's the fun part. But the travel, <laughs> not so much. So I think that's attractive to anybody to stay in one place. You don't have to check out the next morning. You don't have to rush to an airport. You just stay there and enjoy a day off in between or two and then you play another show and the stuff it's all like set up and nobody has to worry about it the crew must love it because they don't have to <laughs> you know unload and load in and whatever set it all up and uh, so i think that makes it very attractive rather than you know touring through the country all the time specifically what other rock bands when they played vegas you're like you know what that's a good idea I want to play Vegas as well, just like these guys. Um, yeah, I think um, before we did it the first time, <clears throat> I think Kiss did it as well. And <clears throat> many others, Def Leppard. And uh, I, I think I saw posters of Santana playing a whole month last time we were there. And so it's something, you know, the, the bands talk about and say it's a great thing to do. So obviously at some point, you know, when you get the offer, you go, okay, let's do that too. Now opening for you in Vegas is Queensryche. How did that come about? Um, the promoter asked for it. <clears throat> they were there last time in 2016. And we get along with them, great with them and uh, we toured with them uh, outside of Vegas as well. 
and um, <clears throat> they are uh, nice people and they're musical they have good songs and um, so yeah promoter said if we can t- could do it again we said yes of course the Scorpions, of course, famously have been together for over 50 years. You have been a part of the band for over 40. What anniversary is it for you this year? What uh, what year are you celebrating this year with the Scorpions? Um, it's like it will be 42 years. I have a note where it says I played the audition on the 18th of June, 78, 1978. So in the summer, it will be 42 years. So impressive, incredible. With your career, do you often reflect and just think about all of your accomplishments, or is it just is it more about the now and what's to come? It is uh, definitely about um, today and tomorrow and the next project or move. Um, only when we see like documentaries, there are like two, three documentaries out. Uh, which are like authentic and original. And um, <clears throat> then I, when I see those, it's a thing out that's called Forever and a Day. And uh, I saw that in a theater here in my hometown a couple of years ago when it came out. And um, I went, wow, <laughs> we've done quite a lot of things throughout the decades. And uh, But normally I don't even think about that. You know, not only because I don't have time to think about that, it would just slow me down, but I don't want to. You know, it's like looking back, it's only occasionally, you know, when somebody like, you know, shows you something so that you think about it and reflect, but not normally. Other than Sin City Nights, of course, in Las Vegas, what else can we expect from you and the Scorpions this year? Uh, At the moment, I'm very focused on uh, songwriting. And, um, you know, I spent all day in the studio yesterday recording a new song. And today, tonight, I have to do some singing. I don't know if that's a good idea after talking all day, but (laughs) we have to find out. I'm drinking ginger tea. Um, But um, we are focused on uh, recording a new album, starting the rehearsals in April. And then we go over to Los Angeles in May and June. And we probably cannot come back to Germany, home, but we will stay in L.A. and then go straight to Vegas. So it's about recording a new album this year, which is supposed to be released in November if we, you know, everything goes well. And then uh, the plan is to tour in 2021, starting in the U.S. Is it too early to tell us what we can expect from the new record, or is it a secret right now? Yeah. We have plenty of songs, but everybody's writing at the moment to get some more. Um, the producer is Greg Fiedelman, who's known for producing Metallica and Slipknot. I think that was his latest project. And so that gives you like an idea that uh, we try to, you know, record an album on the harder side. Mateus, I hate to admit this. I've never been to Las Vegas. You've never been to Las Vegas. That's amazing. Wow. I lead a very sad life. <laughs> okay, that is, uh, yeah, that is, that is sad. So you have to go then. July, 4th of July, the kickoff of the residency. That's the date you can remember. I just haven't had the time. I just work all the time. <laughs> you got to try it. I'll get there. I'll get there. Don't worry. Okay, super. Now, if you've noticed the name of my podcast... Yeah, it sounds like Appetite for Destruction, yeah. Right, Appetite for Distortion. I'm wondering, because we do the six degrees of separation uh, with the band, with all of our guests, what connections you have with the band, perhaps working with Slash. uh, And and one of the ones that I I saw that really stuck out was the 1999 concert in, in Germany, Michael Jackson and Friends, where Slash was there, you were there. So what connections do you have to Guns N' Roses? Yeah, I mean, we met Slash very early on. I think it was at some gold record presentation, platinum, whatever award presentation in Los Angeles um, in the late 80s or maybe 1990, around that time, 88, 89, 90, 
Um, I think 88, because in 89 I saw them uh, playing in front of the Rolling Stones in the stadium in L.A. Um, yeah, he was just there, and he said, yeah, I'm a big fan, and uh, we talked. And later on, we met, um, you know, at some festivals, and last time I remember it was in Italy, I think, a couple of years ago. And... Um, yeah, and the show with Michael Jackson, it was called Michael Jackson and Friends, but to be honest, I don't think he even said hello to anybody. Um, he's got friends. Um, and uh, there was, you know, people like Jack Bruce from Cream, Ringo Starr, you know, Beatles, and we were there, and many others, and the guy didn't even say hello. So much for Friends. And then he had this accident on stage. I saw it in from the hotel. We played. We had to leave for the States the next morning or that evening even. And uh, so we played around early afternoon, went back to the hotel. Everybody played like one or two songs. And then uh, I saw him crash with that with that uh, device and something that should lift him up. But uh, <clears throat> I think he was taken to the hospital. And, uh, yeah, that goes on when you have some bad karma. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I see where you're, you're coming from. And that, I mean, you listed some of the, the acts that were on Michael Jackson and, and Friends. That's just one of the major shows you've played in your 42 years. I can't expect you to pick, you know, your favorite, but I'm curious, is there a show that you think about most? Something that maybe wakes you up in the middle of the night and, and you're like, oh, that was cool. I'm glad I did that. I'm glad I had that experience. I mean, we just played one recently. Um, we played in uh, October of last year. We played Rock and Rio. And we were there when it happened the very first time in 1985. And we played to 350,000 people back then. This time it was, they have a different ground now, the festival ground, and there were like 110,000 people. And we played, um, Iron Maiden was in front of us, and then we played uh, like at midnight. And the atmosphere and the energy of the people after like being there all day was just amazing. And we were great that day, and we were voted the best band of the entire festival, which goes on for a whole week. So that was a, a, one of the best shows ever. Well, I'm really looking forward to New Scorpions coming out, and of course, Sin City Nights in Las Vegas. I'm going to do my best to make it out there. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. You know, it will be it will be a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Mateus. Thank you so much. So that kind of took a dark turn. That interview, I know you weren't uh, on for that for the call. Uh, Matt Wake, our friend from AL.com, is now on the line with us, and we're going to do Shotgun News in just a moment. The, the connection between the Scorpions and Guns N' Roses, there's a few, and the one I, I brought up was the Michael Jackson uh, and Friends show, uh, 1999. And I was like, you know, how was it meeting Slash? And he just goes off about watching Michael Jackson. Uh, he has like an accident on stage and calling it karma. <laughs> so I guess you know where he he stands on the whole. Uh, is MJ guilty or not, I, I suppose? Well, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I'm so – let me ask you this. Since you're, you're – before, again, before we get into shotgun news, and we're also going to do something else that's pretty funny with, with Matt uh, – because your your musical taste is so eclectic, where do you stand to Michael Jackson? Which is, I know, kind of like a loaded question. Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, like Michael Jackson and the Scorpions on the same gig is kind of. I'm trying to wrap my head around that, but like um, uh, Michael Jackson, Brando. Uh, you know what? The talent's undeniable. He probably had more soul and feel at age eight than most even famous singers have their whole life. Uh, you know, uh, the la latter-day kind of controversies and stuff. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, after he died, people kind of, I noticed, and maybe you have too, there was kind of this, before he died, There, I think the general consensus was, you know, even though I guess he did they settle or were they was he acquitted? Whatever it was, the general consensus to me, public wise, this guy was guilty. But after he died, it seemed like it shifted away from that. Do you know what I mean? Like, 
uh-huh. in recent years, like the general public, could, it, it seems like the public has been kinder to him. Uh, you know, that's interesting then, because I'm thinking because it was after he passed that that documentary came out on HBO, which I just don't want to watch it. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, that yeah. it's just it's like ever since then I did that didn't even watch it and I feel kind of weird. It doesn't feel the same listening to his music and I love his music. You know, uh, before I really got into Guns N' Roses, I would listen to Dangerous on cassette, and you know it was. That's the truth, and finding out later that Slash is a part of uh, of his history, and uh, to be a fly on on the wall, not just for you know Michael Jackson. I don't know if you want to be a fly on that wall necessarily, but for him and Slash collaborating, you know, it's obviously just a shame. But I'm just figuring, you know, you're here. Let me just pick your brain for a little bit since you you know so much. <laughs> not not just about uh, rock and roll. Well, what I I tell you when I think of Michael Jackson and rock and roll. As much as I love Slash, I think of Eddie Van Halen playing the Beat It solo. And, uh, you know, like there's a lot of those isolated tracks out there on YouTube. And I love listening to the isolated track for uh, Eddie Van Halen's solo on Beat It. It's just so hot and perfect. And, you know, the whole thing, I've, I've been told that the reason, you know, Michael Jackson uh, started bringing in these hotshot guitarists like Eddie Van Halen, Steve Stevens, and Slash. Uh, Steve Stevens was on Dirty Diana. Yeah. Was to keep to keep up with Prince, his rival, because Prince was an amazing, badass guitar player, uh, very Hendrixy, uh, little Santana in there too, but um, a little metallic, but. Uh, you know, Michael didn't really play the guitar, you know, like that in a lead type of way. Um, so I always thought that was interesting, that kind that of is. this arms arms race between MJ and Prince. Huh. Uh, wow, though I had, I had never heard that. that. That really gives a, a different perspective. Uh, look at you. This is why we yeah. go to you, Matt, for all the... Uh... <laughs> For all these things that we we don't know, that's why you're 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 a great journalist, and we're also going to talk about um, coming up your your most recent interview with with Miles Kennedy. But first, before we get the shotgun news and all that that stuff, we have to do this first because sometimes real life is uh, is funnier than what you can create on the radio. So, you know, Matt was kind enough because he's been on the show before. Uh, he was kind enough to do this this bit on this episode, and he got the day wrong. And he called the number <laughs> that I gave him, and that number—it's not my number. I mean, I think you have my cell. It's not like it's a, you know, it's a, a secret. But I—that's I, not how I record. I give you the studio number when I'm here at iHeartRadio, and you called that. And the studio number that I gave you to is the primary one that I work in, and that that runs. If you—if those who remember me saying that I—I I work on the Sweat Hotel. Uh, Keith Sweat's uh, radio <laughs> show. <laughs> it is. Oh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'll play this one uh, quick little soundbite. The Sweat Hotel. The Sweat Hotel. I mean, like this is like that's what it is. It's like that kind of show, you know, the Quiet Storm, the Sweat Hotel. So that's. I mean, it's on a lot of uh, stations around the country, uh, the United States, fifty stations or whatever. So that's what I do. Uh, it, it, it's fun. So anyway, there's a voicemail set up for for callers to leave messages. For, for Keith that I have to go through and that's a whole other story I mean I've heard oh, people I dude I mean people saying leaving voicemails that they want to do stuff to them like you know what I mean I want to suck you up you know? oh, yeah. anyway uh, so I'm going to play the what Matt heard because it's just too funny <laughs> hey this is Keith Sweat and I am sorry I've missed you but if you would like to apologize to someone Talk to the maintenance man or tell me any situation going on in your life. <laughs> Just hit me up right here on this voicemail and uh, leave it for me, and I promise you I'll get right back to you. So that's what he heard. That's just, <laughs> like, what was your reaction when you, like, did you know that was Keith Sweat? Like, what? or you just got some random dude's uh, number? I had no idea. And the best thing was when uh, I messaged you and said, oh, man, my bad, I got this you know, I had it early and I got this crazy voicemail and he told me it was Keith Sweat. It was perfect because it was totally his uh, 
voicemail uh, outgoing message greeting or whatever is kind of like a slow jam kind of talk. <laughs> and I was like, oh, gosh, this is perfect. I know. I think I got pregnant. I think I got pregnant <laughs> listening to his voicemail greeting. <laughs> Beautiful. You're not the first, I'm sure. So anyway, <laughs> uh, all that being out of the way. News. Brought to you by AlternativeNation.net. And Slash did an interview recently, uh, obviously not on this podcast. He spoke to uh, Guitar.com. So anyway, Slash uh, was, of course, asked about new Guns N' Roses music, even though we're not supposed to ask about it, whatever. Uh, He says, there's been no definitive answer on anything, and I'll just keep it at that. Uh, And he continues to say, stuff is happening, but there are no specifics. Uh, More than anything, it's because of the nature of the industry right now. It's just like, how do you want to do this? I mean, there's material, and there's recording, and there's shit going on, uh, but we're really not sure what we're doing with it right now so what do you what do you say to that oh, Axel. well not not, not I, I guess you could say that so what do you what are your th- feelings on slash's comments i say that says a lot about how even a band like guns and roses or you know aerosmith a few years ago when they put out a record and i think it struggled to go gold uh you know, the Rolling Stones. I don't think their uh, last record flew off the shelves or either. But, like, um, I think that says that. To me, what makes most sense for them, for them re-enter, and I tweeted about this, like, last week or something, the the strategy that, to me, sounds like a great one for Guns N' Roses re-entering uh, with original music would be like uh, a song in a really, really hot movie, a really, really hot kind of elite or a really hot elite TV streaming type Netflix or HBO thing. Um, I thought James Bond would have been amazing. Complete the circle since they covered McCartney's Bond, uh, Live and Let Die. Um, You know, because there's no way those guys couldn't come out with, you know, and they probably have, you know, I think Slash says in that same interview, Brando, that, you know, there has been some recording and things going on. They could, like they did with, um, you know, uh, You Could Be Mine, you know, that generated great buzz in Terminator 2 in advance of uh, the Use Your Illusion records. Um, I think uh, I think that would be great. But... Uh, my take is, you know, if you, you read in that quote, there's been some recording, you know, uh, I mean, it's exciting if you're a Guns N' Roses fan. And even though they go on stage on time now, this is not a band, as you well know, as any of us fans really know, that uh, they're, they're, uh, the nature of that animal is not to do everything like uh, – how everyone else does it, or maybe how you expect. I, I would be shocked if they didn't really kind of, uh, when they do come out with something, if it's a bit of a surprise as opposed to a long lead-in. But I could be wrong. What do you, what do you think about all this? You know, at first, I, I got depressed about what he said. It's like, and that seemed to be a lot of, <laughs> well, I mean, I've actually been legit depressed, so I don't want to minimize uh, minimize that as we do talk about mental health when it, it applies here. Same here. Same yeah, here. yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, at first I got I get annoyed. Let's just use that. That's a better word. Uh, and when I put it out there on on social media, uh, Facebook.com slash uh, the AFD show or on Twitter at the AFD show, I got kind of got the same responses from my audience. And it's like, what do you mean? You you record it? You just you put it out? Like what's what? Yeah. You you've been doing this. Uh, that he's able to do this with Miles, Duff is able to put out uh, uh, records. What's going on here? And of course, you know, if you leave things up to, again, uh, the 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 GNR faithful, it's going to lash out at management. You know, it's, I I don't know any anything about any of that. Obviously, Guns N' Roses is a bigger project. It's a it's a, a bigger brand. Especially with their their legacy, than Duff putting out tenderness or Slash and Miles, and not to say that those obviously they they require work and hard work, but 
you would hope that there wouldn't have to be such a a big monumental decision to put out any sort of material, especially with all like the back catalog of what they've all been working on to have one song, to have two songs. You know, I understand if they just want to put out an album and maybe all the, the what what goes into that. You know, then you have to add in the variables. Well, well, will Izzy be involved? Will Steven be involved in recording? Maybe they won't. They don't tour, but will they be involved in recording? I mean, those these are pipe dreams, but I think those are real questions. That that uh, I don't think those are silly questions. You know, who, who will be involved in the recording? And also, are we re-recording what Axel did for Chinese? Because we we know he did a lot now with all the, the leaks that happened. Will Slash and Duff just rework those, or are they going to start from scratch? You know, how does this work now? You know, especially since they they all aren't on just Team Guns N' Roses. Axel is, but Duff and Slash both have their own brands that go on. So do the schedules mm-hmm. match up? So there could be a lot of things that go on, but still, you talk about movies and opportunities, missed opportunities. You know, Terminator, that seems to be the most obvious one. You know, mm. obviously Jumanji, the first one was Welcome to the Jungle. And the movie did really well. You know, why not have it involved in something streaming? Why not have it involved in, you know, Slash is obsessed with The Walking Dead? And that still gets mega, mega ratings. I mean, this is still, uh, he is still, referring to Axel now, is a guy who released a, a song, really, via Looney Tunes. What do you mean you don't know how to release it? You release a song via Looney Tunes. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. it's frustrating. It really is frustrating. There is material there. So mm. there's something. <laughs> but I still feel, I feel like Dumb and Dumber. So you're just telling me there's a chance. You know what I mean? And <laughs> I think Guns N' Roses fans are... We we know there's always a chance. There's always been a chance. We We, we want now the chance to enjoy it. You know, without it being uh, taken down or, or stripped or not being ready. You know, it's still crazy to me that Chinese Democracy was kind of not ready or the, uh, the, the album wasn't, the cover wasn't what right or lyric, the, the, the inside cover wasn't right. Things weren't right then. You know, what's going to make them right? You know, how long did it take Ozzy to make his new record? You know, when he's, he's, he's dude's got Parkinson's. He's got Parkinson's yeah. disease and he's, he just finished an album. He's making videos and we can't get the better video and Ozzy and there's reports today. I don't want to give it too much stock because it's like reports experts say, you know, if, if you know, if you've ever dealt with dementia in your life yeah. and you know, my, my grandma, my mom's mom had uh, Alzheimer's, but, but it was kind of like a low grade. Like she still recognized. Unfortunately now my, my, unfortunately now my girlfriend's uh, dad is going is is the early stages of dementia, so it's it's it affects a lot of people, but in different ways. So we don't know how it's going to affect Ozzy, but still, Ozzy with Parkinson's, and oh, because uh, the reason is the dementia is from Parkinson's. I probably should have uh, mentioned that. So like my girlfriend's dad is Parkinson's, and that's leading to dementia, which is just scary. Mm-hmm. So you know Ozzy, who's you know what because the same age as like my girlfriend's dad. Like, you just don't know how quick it can happen. You know, she tells me that he's different than when I saw him on Thanksgiving, like, already. You know, so the experts say that uh, that Ozzy, you know, could lose his singing voice in a couple months. We, we hope that's not true. Uh, I mean, doctors, of course, can give their opinion. They're doctors. I'm not. So I'm going to, you know, hold, hold the faith, faith for the Prince of Darkness. But if Ozzy could put all that shit together, why can't we get one song over the three years that not in this lifetime has been going on and they yeah, ha- um, so there's there's i'll step down from my <laughs> from my soapbox a little bit but yeah so that's that's i guess my opinion in uh, somewhat of a nutshell yeah and you know that the, the guns and roses right now for the last three years has been doing such good business with the 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 touring and the you know the merchandise I'm sure is just making the sky rain money, and you know, uh, just given the commercial environment, how it's pretty challenging to be 
successful on a level that GNR is used to unless in these days, unless you're like pop, rap, R&B kind of thing. Um, you know, these are driven, motivated guys. I mean, it's different. Flash knows when he puts out a solo record, it's going to do the, that level of business. You know, it's not going to go gold or platinum or whatever, but it's he likes to play. It gets him out. He, he likes to stay working, and, he, you know, uh, he likes his band. They're good dudes, and they play well. But, like, um, and there's some good songs in there. Sure. But, uh, like, I love Starlight. But um, uh, I think Guns N' Roses, that right now their brand is so uh, um, ascendant and powerful and big. It's like, you know, Rolling Stones in 1989 when they came back, they are that now. It is huge. So the last thing, you know, but the the Stones albums they put out after they get back together, there's some good stuff on there, usually about four songs, but uh, um, uh, on each of those records they've put out since they've got back together. But um, I, you know, but like you're saying, are they going to redo I would, my guess would be, and I have, <laughs> this is totally speculative. It would be a mix of stuff like Atlas Shrugged with Duff and Flash playing on it and like new stuff. I mean, I, I love Atlas Shrugged. I mean, that's killer to me. Sure. There's a lot of solid leaked tracks. And I think that's what makes, that has made fans even more hungry. You know, what's going to happen now? You know, it, it's so th- there's a lot to look forward to and the tours non-stop so i've said often we're in a good place because this band didn't exist in the way people the the way the majority wanted just to say if this is your first time listening i love the chinese era i love all the members but obviously there's as someone who had never seen slash and axel on the same stage i'm glad that's that's continuing and i'm going to keep having opportunities to see that so that makes me happy uh but yes obviously you want new music or you, you want the set list to have more of their music and, and, and not covers. But it's something that you may recall because Matt was the, the you, you co-hosted when we had uh, Penelope Spheris on, uh, the director of, of Wayne's World and the decline of Western civilization. And do you remember what she said about why uh, Guns N' Roses decided not to do the uh, not to be in it? and not to close it, which is what she wanted. She wanted them to close the documentary. I remember her talking about that. Wasn't it like a, some kind of business manager type right. Uh, right. situation? So, so I don't mean to quiz you, but it's... <laughs> it's uh, they were taking off. They were getting hot. Right, right. So you're... You, exactly. So it was Alan Niven, uh, Alan Niven at the time, and they seemed cool uh, that it was going to happen, but they were taking off. So Penelope said... And she didn't find out until years later why that when things are going right, sometimes even if it seems good, you just don't mess with it. You just keep mm-hmm. it going. And sure, I, I just I get that. But I guess now, just over the the years now, it's not like not in this lifetime has started. Just now and, and, and we're demanding new music. This is uh or or requesting new music, whatever. It's been a few years. So I see both sides of it. It's hard when the band, other than the, the, the comments that we get from Slash that we just mentioned, or you know Richard Fortas so every so years saying, uh, I hope next year, I hope later this year. You know, uh, It's like a leap year, I feel, every time uh, Richard Fortas talks about uh, new music. And I hope there's a new album because I want Richard to be more involved. I want him to to really create his legacy in, in GNR, not as just a, this really long tenured uh, member. I want him to contribute, you know, to something that we can listen to. That's, that's new. That's real. You know, cause we love, we love these guys. We love all these, uh, you know, the band that, the, that we hear now, I think it would be great to hear Melissa, you know, featured on a song or you know, a part of a song or, or whatever it is that she has, you know, some sort of solo or, she comes. She brings in her creativity to a song, and so something is different. Like Chinese democracy was different. <sighs> it's just. It's it, again. It's just the hope you want it to happen. I, I try not to be the negative guy, but again, this, how do you put out music? Video games. You know how many bands uh, people do that? Do it. Uh, play the a fucking halftime show. 
do that. I know they're oh, and we can finish our shotgun news by because we can you know obviously talk about this forever and ever. But at least Guns N' Roses is doing the uh, I think it's the day before the Super Bowl uh, music fest. Mm. So that's going to be happening. So they could be playing that, and you're, I'm sure you're aware of who the uh, the opener for that show is because that made uh, headline news. Yeah, Snoop Dogg, right? Big Snoop D O Dub. Blood out. That's fucking. That's <laughs> fucking great. I, that's so funny. And I did actually. I got this answer just on on Facebook on this Super Bowl uh, music fest uh, Facebook page because <laughs> uh, I asked, and a lot of people were asking me like. You know, not everyone can make it to Florida. Can can we watch this? Is it going to be streamed? Is it going to be on TV? Well, uh, they replied, for fans who can't make it down to Miami, the Bud Light Super Bowl Music Fest TV show will feature highlights from the event. It will air on Fox at 11 p.m. Eastern, Saturday, February 1st. So we're going to get edited highlights. Awesome. <laughs> I guess at least it's something. Wow, that is cool. Yeah, I guess. I mean, obviously, it would be great to to watch it live and see what happens. But I have one very important question. You have to answer this correctly. Uh, mm-hmm. What if Snoop Dogg and, and, and Guns N' Roses collaborate? What song would it be? Like if, if Snoop joined them on stage? If Snoop uh, came out on stage with Guns N' Roses, I would think, uh, you know, Paradise City. I, I think uh, Cypress Hill. Yeah. <laughs> I think Slash has done that with those guys before. And I, I that kind of has kind of a, um, you know, Axel sings it, belts it out soulfully. But you can kind of rap chant that chorus. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, you know, you can hear uh, Snoop drawing, uh, you know, where the where the girls are pretty, you know, that, uh, <laughs> those lyrics. Yeah, the, that, that to me, I mean, obviously there's no right answer because I, I thought about it. Like, what song could it be? Like, really? You know, we could have fun with it. Uh, my World. <laughs> uh, oh, my. Right? Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> that would be crazy. Holy shit, My World? That would be... I know, that would be so funny. A, a lot of listeners commented, so uh, great minds think alike. So, that yeah. <laughs> Nobody would would like that other than the, the diehard Guns N' Roses fans. You know, what the fuck okay. is this song? Even diehard Guns N' Roses fans like myself don't even like that song. I mean, it's a fun novelty yeah. song, but whatever. <laughs> it would be, it's, I, it'd it's, be funny. I, that song just sounds like you're reading the notebook of, um, you know, Axel's therapist in 1990. You know, like, um, it just, uh, it's wild. It's it's like breaking into his psyche. Uh, I, I, I don't like it musically, but it's fascinating, my world. Um, one thing, the last thing I would touch on on the new music thing, Brando, yeah. is Axel, Duff, and Slash are very smart people. They are very successful music business people. They know that they can't go on playing um, stadiums and, you know, arenas, you know, they maybe they can keep doing a while longer this way without taking a break, but or even taking a break. At a certain point, three years in of doing this, the excitement's going to wear off. They've gone to a bunch of different uh, markets. You know, they keep – they're doing a good job of kind of peppering that around. But if they, they're smart guys. They know if they're going to put out something. And I think this has been a very positive victory lap for those dudes. And it seems like they're good between those three. And I think they would like to put out something. And I think they're smart enough to know in the next year – probably gives them the best window of it reaching the most people because of the um, momentum and build the brand has seen in the last three years. Agreed. And I'll leave it at that. Agreed at all points. See that again, that's mm-hmm. that's why I have you on. You know, you, you, you <laughs> make good, solid points because obviously I agree with myself. Uh, so <laughs> I, I'm glad that somebody else uh, has the same opinion as, as me. And uh, we learn things. We learned things from uh, from Matt Wake. So, uh, with that being said, you just recently interviewed uh, Miles. How was that, Miles Kennedy? Genuinely super nice guy. I, see you you being in media too. You know, I've, we're not naive. We know we get people's media face. I call it a lot of times. Sure. You know that. I mean, they know it's good to put out a good vibe to when they're talking to media folks. But 
Miles is one of those guys you're like, okay, this guy's generally genuinely nice, humble, down to earth, centered. Um, and he was like, it's funny because he reminded me a lot of when I interviewed Slash, I think in 2011, the Slash interview was only like 10 minutes, but he was so good. It given me a succinct yet colorful, colorful answer <laughs> to each question, but stopping and not repeating himself or going off on a tangent. And Miles was very much the same way. Um, it was cool to hear what he kind of how, you know, Slash is known for the melodies on his solos. Like if you think of Sweet Child or November Rain or um, Coma, you can sing those solos. And it sounds wrong if you play those solos and not playing those notes, right? Well, Miles, you know, he's taken some influence from Slash on uh, Miles, what he does with his vocal melodies. Because the cool thing about Slash's guitar melodies is, yeah, he has a very uh, pure, natural, bluesy kind of uh, thing going on. But he also plays some unexpected notes. Like, that Sweet Child of Mine intro is weird. There's, a, there's nothing that really sounds like that before. Um, and he's like, you know, he picks out these cool, weird notes, but it, uh, didn't go for the obvious thing sometimes, but it still works. Um, it was cool to hear him talk about jamming with the Zeppelin guys. Cause like Steven Tyler, he was brought in after plant declined to do, uh, additional shows after the 2007, uh, Zeppelin show, uh, for in memory of Ahmet Ertigan, uh, the Atlanta records, uh, at, executive at the O2 arena. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So hearing him talk about that, like getting to jam with them and actually they played some new riffs and had him like kind of improvise over it, huh. which he said, you know, was just like, you know, he'll take that to his deathbed. Um, and I, I, I've, you know, I've, in getting ready to him, I listened to Ultra Bridge more than I had uh, previously. And to be honest, I was more familiar with the Slash stuff he's done. Uh, but uh, there's some good stuff in there. Sure, um, and absolutely. The guitar playing's, you know, really savage, and his singing's cool, and the songwriting and melodies are good. And uh, I, it. Don't you like it when you interview someone and you get ready to talk to them and you're like, wow, I was, I kind of knew this stuff in a cursory way, but now I listen to it and it's pretty good. And then I interview the guy. He's nice. And it makes me like it a little more. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's a cool thing. Um, And, you know, he was talking about, you know, being in the Wahlberg rock star movie, his experience of making that. Yeah. uh, Which is funny and cool. Um, you forget what about, do you think that. about that movie. The, you yeah, forget about totally. that. Yeah, him and uh, a beardless uh, Zach Wild was in uh, right was in Steel Dragon. Yeah, and so was um, uh, J- Jason Bonham wearing a wig. You know, like um, you know what I never uh, knew that. I, All right, I learned that. Yeah. Look at you, look at you. Uh, yeah. No, I, I like that movie. I know it's a little corny, and it's you know, yeah. it, it's it's not. I think the idea was sparked from what Judas Priest, right? But they didn't sign off on it. Absolutely, right, absolutely, right. So I enjoy it. I like Mark Wahlberg. You know, say hello to your mother for me. Uh, and Jennifer Aniston, <laughs> you know, Jennifer Aniston's great. But no, I I I enjoyed it. You know, I, I want to see more movies like that. See that that kind of makes it safe. It's like it's kind of based on a real story where it's like not like the dirt where people are bitching about facts and timeline and all that stuff. This gives you something yeah. that's that's plausible, a real storyline, but just you know, changing it up a bit to make it a well a story. So I, I kind of I, I liked it. I was a fan. Uh, but that's that's uh that's awesome, man. You know, good for you. Uh, before I I forget, because you know the backing band of of Alter Bridge, that's that's Creed. So <laughs> I, I I don't know about you, whereas since we're talking about other other music, I liked Creed. I, I think Human Clay is a great record. I did see them in concert. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I'm a fan of Scott Stapp. So, I, obviously, I would like Alter Bridge. You know, I have two very different styles of singing. So, it's easy to forget that that's Creed. But that's Creed. <laughs> yeah, and it, it really is. And it's kind of, it, you know, that was the era. 
I guess they Alter Bridge formed in like late 2003, early 2004. But, you know, Velvet Revolver was happening in that era around that, you know, give or take years. Um, you know, Audio Slave, that was, which is basically, you know, I mean, I know um, uh, David Kushner, which he added a nice new flair with his textures on the guitar with VR, but that was basically use your illusion gr swapping out axel and putting in scott wyland and then you had audio slave which was basically rage and swapping out zach de la roca and putting in uh chris cornell it was interesting how many and even like the stone temple pilots guys they started some band uh army of anyone or something like that yeah yeah right yes they brought in the filter guy so it was like that was a massive trend around that time where, <laughs> you know, they were just basically transplanting these other well-known to various degrees singers into these very successful uh, kind of uh, instrumentalists. And they, a lot of them did pretty well. I don't think army of anyone really moved the needle too much, but a lot of the others uh, moved the needle pretty good. I mean, um, uh, uh, what's your take on VR? Did you like them? Oh, well, uh, yes, absolutely. I'm lucky to have seen them uh, twice. And I still, you know, they're my daily playlist that I uh, that I listen to on my, my commute. So uh, I, I miss that band. Uh, you're, you're talking about, it wasn't an, an, an interview where I, because I never got the interview with Scott Weiland, but after I saw him live, it made me more mm. of a fan. And it made me more of an STP fan. And... You know, while I was always a fan, and it happened. Same happened. I don't, maybe this is something else that happens to you. Maybe it happens to uh, you listening. When someone dies, that mm. I, I don't know what it is. It's like you you revisit the catalog, and I'm I'm a bigger Chris Cornell fan and Scott Weiland fan now that they passed, and I I feel like I, I I've wasted so much of my life not really spending more time with their their music and seeing them more often. I mean, I never got to see Chris Cornell, uh, so that's just that's just something else weird that I don't know if anyone else identifies with when you, know, you lose someone and they're not around. I guess that's how it works. <laughs> that's how how life works. You miss things when they're gone, but uh, yeah. but yeah. And and I I've, not to lose it, I totally forgot about Army of Anyone. They had some you know minor radio hits. Richard Patrick mm. from uh, from Filter. But you're right. They there were these kind of. Uh, uh, Power Ranger, Megazord ba- bands, you know, coming together. <laughs> <laughs> Things coming together. No, and I like it. I like when bands do that because, you know, it's sharing the wealth of your talent. And it's sh- and if there are other talented people you want to work with, make it happen. So that's why, you know, Slash is awesome. Going back to the first thing we spoke about, I think it's awesome you worked with, uh, with Michael Jackson. Uh, you know, Duff... It works with, I mean, it, Duff works with so many different people. Obviously, both Slash and Duff were on the, on the new Aussie. But I, I I enjoy it when they kind of, you know, expand their their power a little bit to other to other bands to contribute, right? I don't know if Duff ever recorded anything, but he was in uh, Jane's Addiction, right, for a minute? Or yeah, was he, was he yeah. Just, he was just helping them tour, though? I don't think he did anything. Like, I don't, you know, I don't think he recorded with them, but I was always hopeful that he was, and that was such a good... Uh, uh, fit for them because, you know, like their original guy, he plays with a pick, you know, has a strong punk background. I thought that was a master stroke getting him in there, but, um, you know, uh, yeah, Duff's solo album, Believe in Me, that first one where he brought in like Sebastian Bach and Lenny Kravitz, there's some interesting stuff on there. Um, uh, yeah, and I liked the art. The first tour I saw and it was it was really good and really fun and the Guns N' Roses brand wasn't what it was now no no yeah. I was made fun of for being a Guns N' Roses fan because it's I took a girl yeah I took a girl that was young, a bit younger than me to that show and she was like joking about Guns N' Roses like they were corny or cheesy because but I mean she, yeah. she loved the show and they're Hot, amazing, and Scott, when he's on, dude, like you said, I mean, what a front man. I know. Uh, again, he, 
it was seeing him live, especially because I was up against the stage uh, when I got to see mm. Velvet at a small, you know, Starland Ballroom nice. in New Jersey isn't very big, and I went early enough. I've told this story before, and it was it was definitely like a life changing concert. It really was, and that's that's mm. the Scott. And I, it was my first time seeing Slash, so yes, that of course. But yeah, for you know, Guns N' Roses was a joke for a while. You know, amongst my friends or. When I would tell people who my favorite band was, and they would always have some nasty comment about Axl Rose. And, yeah. And it's, yeah. But at, at that time, he really wasn't in the public. So it's like, I, I don't know what's going on. And so that's why even now we're saying, I don't know what's going on. At least it's something. And they're so successful, and we're kind of, you know, showing why, we're showing the world why we love this band so much. So uh, <laughs> all that being said, uh, anything else uh, down the pike? Anything else that, that we should know about uh, Matthew B. Wake, which happens to be your Twitter handle, so people should follow you as well? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, going to be interviewing Mr. Matt Sorum for Billboard in regards to his upcoming memoir. So, Look at you. Uh, they just sent me a PDF copy of the um, book, so I'm looking forward to digging into that this weekend. I guess they're sending me a hard copy too, but um, I'm <laughs> Interested, very interested, because um, there's a obviously I would think his take on being kind of not involved with the, you know, not in this lifetime tour would be in in there, and uh, you know, and that's a lot of money, and I know those are his friends, so that's Duff and uh, Slash, so you know, I'm sure that's an interesting perspective he has on that. Um, the Use Your Illusion tour was such a wild cat and he as a you know a guy coming into that guns and roses membrane at that point probably has a, a interesting different look on it as opposed to you know what's in duff and slash's books um and then there's the stuff with the cult and you know vr gosh that'll be interesting i'm sure he'll get into that probably uh, uh for a good bit of the book and then the, his early stuff is like apparently a drug mule yeah, yeah, that's been so the, I, uh, the teaser for the book. I'm sure it'll be a, a really uh, fun read. Um, so, uh, you know, Guns N' Roses, they're, um, we want to know more about them. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, we all love – I mean, we can't learn enough about Guns N' Roses. I mean, we love learning about, you know, what kind of bandana Izzy had on his ankle – in 1985, you know, I mean, there's there's just a fascinating band inherently. Well, I mean, it's been uh, fascinating enough for me to do a uh, hundred and I think a hundred and sixty nine episodes uh, to do. So yeah. Oh, and how did I not play uh, this clip? Sixty nine. <laughs> well, I guess one hundred and sixty nine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a piece of nice. shit. I'm a piece of shit. Anyway, no, uh, no, that's good. No, I, I, I know it's great. <laughs> so, and and for those of you uh, wondering, because it's, you know, I, and I'm I'm happy for for Matt and I'm proud of him, but for it's it's so, but it, it's easier sometimes to get. I mean, Matt's written for Rolling Stone, so his cred is, is speaks for itself. But it's, sometimes it's easier for to get a print uh, interview than a podcast interview, because obviously, you know. I would love to speak with with Matt Sorum and, and Miles Kennedy. Sorry, I had to I, I, at least address that. <laughs> but uh, it's like it is what it is. I, I, I it was, if you remember, there was like a a chain of conversation with with Tracy Guns uh, on on Twitter after you interviewed him. Yeah, and yeah, he, he'll respond to me, but he's like, I don't really do podcasts. But but he'll, I mean, he'll go he'll do Ricky Rackman's podcast because they're friends. I get it, but. Uh, that's why, you know, I'm lucky I get, uh, Mateus from, from the Scorpions. So I still get cool people, but, uh, one of these days and you'll come back on to, to co-host when, uh, if and when Matt Sorum comes on, <laughs> I'm trying. Oh, I'd love to a bit. And you get it. So you've had so many cool, awesome guests and I'm always thrilled for you when you get them cause you deserve it. And, uh, you know, uh, I guess speaking of books, you know, I don't know if you remember, like a couple of years ago, someone, I don't remember what outlet, outlet it was, you know, Axel obviously does very, very few interviews. They're extremely rare. But I think they, one of these asked him if he had plans to do a memoir or would ever do one. And he said he'd written some things down. But now that they were reunited, 
Yeah, I re- yeah, he said it like in a video interview. He was, uh, I think it was when they were on tour in an Asian country, maybe. And um, I, I don't, but he did like a press conference, was answering some questions, and he said, you know, I've written some things down, but it's kind of, and I'm paraphrasing, it's kind of complicated now because you know things are cool with the band, and maybe there are some things in the previous memoirs, you know, that you know were not the you know, he has a different perspective of than like Slash had. And, you That's know, true. That's true. And he's like, I don't, you know, his take was it didn't happen that way. You know, again, paraphrasing. But, you know, again, he's a smart guy. Why, you know, I'm sure, you know, it, it would be amazing to read. Absolutely. And then more and from Axel Rose. I think, you know, Sebastian Bach has spoken about how him and Axel have, have talked after he put out his autobiography that Axel had stuff written down. So I, I obviously I hope it comes out. Uh, it'll no doubt do insanely well, insanely yeah. well. So uh, you're right. Maybe now he needs to revisit stuff. But uh, now we're, we're we're purely speculating. But it, it sure is fun, isn't it? Uh, anyway, uh, thanks again, Matt, for for coming on, taking part of uh, Shotgun News, and you know all the uh, your your Keith Sweat interaction, sharing that uh, <laughs> sharing that with us. So obviously, follow uh, Matthew B. Wake on Twitter, and if you haven't already, read his uh, new interview with Miles Kennedy out now on al.com. And thanks again. We'll we'll obviously have you back, uh, Brando. Always a pleasure, man. Uh, love what you're doing, and thanks for having me. Always love talking to to Matt Wake. And, of course, he will be back on the podcast. Now, before we get out of here, I do want to acknowledge this because it fits under our six degrees of GNR bacon. No matter where you are in the world, you've heard about the untimely passing, the tragic passing of Kobe Bryant, NBA star, and his daughter and a couple of her uh, young friends, you know, 13-year-olds headed to a basketball game. You know, it's just awful, awful, awful. Uh, well, Slash, she tweeted Rip Kobe with a picture, uh, Guns N' Roses. Uh, their social media accounts also um, paying their respects, po- uh, posting a picture of, of Kobe. And if you're not aware, the Lakers are Axel Rose's favorite basketball team. If you remember this interview from 2001, the NBA Finals between the Lakers and the Sixers. And hard to believe this was his first basketball game. Axel Rose. Wow, what'd you think? I thought it was amazing. It's a lot of fun. This is my first basketball game in person. This is your first game ever in person? Yeah, to go see it live, yes. Well, now, coming in, were you rooting for the Lakers or the Sixers? The Lakers are are my favorite team, but I'm I'm a huge Iverson fan, so I'm rooting for the underdog because the Lakers are like the given. So it's like, I went either way. I went either way in this one. So I would love to hear Axel's feelings on, on Kobe. We would like to hear Axel's feelings on a lot of different things, but he hasn't tweeted this year yet. And I don't know. He, he seems to be kind of the person that would tweet about this. Obviously not the most important thing, but uh, I, I'm curious to to what's going through Axel's mind with, with, about Kobe Bryant. Just, again, very sad. And another reason why I bring this up is, and we've talked about this kind of, topic on the podcast before and that's while everybody is still alive let's make this happen right so i thankfully slash and axel are back together we don't have to worry about that but we're talking about the the classic lineup and it's no disrespect to any uh, you know richard fortis or melissa reese or anybody but we want to you know for someone who i have never seen the classic lineup izzy stradlin steven adler wouldn't it be nice just for, one, again, one show? It just, this Kobe thing, and everyone was saying the same thing, just how your life can just be taken away in an instant. You're not sick. He's flown his helicopter all he's flown all the time. He would fly to, to games. He obviously still did it in retirement. And, you know, this is somebody who you expected to live another 50 years and accomplish even greater things. And all of a sudden it's gone. You know, obviously it could be, it's just as sad, uh, if not sadder, that his uh, 13-year-old daughter um, won't live the life that he even lived, even though his was cut short. Just a, a sad all around, and Stephen had joined them a couple times on Not In This Lifetime. Izzy's been on stage with the new version of Guns, the the new GNR NU. 
and and also Velvet Revolver. So you like there were conversations had. So just figure it out just for one show while you were all still here. I don't think that's too much to ask. Anyway, thanks for listening. However you listen, whether it be via AlternativeNation.net, uh, it's up on their website, iHeartRadio, the iHeartRadio app, Spreaker, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere, SoundCloud, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can listen to Appetite for Distortion. And of course, the best way to find out about who's to come, the next guest on the AFD show, is to follow us on social media, facebook.com slash the AFD show, or on Twitter, at the AFD show, or even Instagram. Just look up Appetite for Distortion on Instagram, and you could submit questions. When we have a guest, sometimes you can even be a co-host, and we have a lot of great conversations in between the podcasts on, on, on social media. So that does it for this episode. So when will you see the next podcast, the next Appetite for Distortion with Brando? Well, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. Security, I'm going home.